God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And, uh, you know, um, we're going to be uh, talking a little bit about all this wokeness going around. You know, we have a lot of different things happening with respect to wokeness. Uh, and it just seems so nonsensical, uh, whether it be... Um, the uh, Marxist woman that runs the Black Lives Matter suggesting that, you know, if Chauvin isn't uh, found guilty, they're going to burn the city down. That's that to me is counterproductive, that kind of coercion in our justice system. And it just it's foolish and it's stupid. And you wonder how people that dumb actually have a, a, a voice or a megaphone that large. I guess her name's Maya Eccles. A prominent Black Lives Matter activist threatened that cities will be on fire if Derek Chauvin is not convicted for the death of George Floyd. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't understand why it is that people are allowed to say these things. Why are they allowed to say them? Why can they say it and then not get banned? I get banned on Facebook. I got banned on Facebook uh, for 30 days because I posted a report of Dr. Yan's study and that suggested that, uh, that COVID was a bioweapon. It wasn't even about um, the medical relief. It wasn't even a question of a person's health. It was a question of whether or not China is, you know, putting out that uh, that virus as a weapon. To which case, I, I actually believe they did. I, I don't think that the Chinese could be that stupid as to con continuously allow these 
these viruses to spread all over the world. It's not the first time that it's happened. Either, you know, get your get your laboratory straight or stop eating bat stew. So let's take a listen to this uh, Maya Eccles here in just a second. All right, so she's uh, representing um, the Marxist group, Black Lives Matter. If George Floyd's murderer is not sentenced, just know that all hell is going to break loose. Don't be surprised when buildings are on fire. Just saying. Just saying. So that's a Biden supporter right there, right? That's one of these Biden voters. You gotta, you gotta just ask the question. Does that sound stupid to you? I mean, that to me sounds really dumb. The justice system will take care of itself. I'm sure that whatever happens. I mean. I don't know anybody that supported Chauvin, right? I mean, I don't, I don't know anybody that supported that. But from what I understand, there's um, all kinds of different things going on with that case. And, you know, O.J. Simpson did it, right? But yet he got away with it. We don't know what's going to happen with that. But certainly, Black Lives Matter, you know, to, to be living in a world where if you don't get the pacifier put back in your mouth because your feelings were hurt, uh, that somehow you're going to burn the house down. You're going to commit terrorism. You know, I just think we need to maybe choose the words better to describe the actions of these liberal losers. You know, we're victimized in terms of conservatives and Trump supporters, we're victimized by a rigged election. We're victimized by that. We have to watch and this guy stumble up the stairs at Air Force One or not know where he is or basically uh, treat people like, uh, like they're stupid. Uh, we know that he's not running this show. We, we know that he's not calling the shots. We know that the buck doesn't stop anywhere near the White House. It's more like over in a think tank in the Brookings Institution. But it, however it goes, in Washington, we know that Joe Biden's not running the show. And yet we have to sit there and take it. Now, Donald Trump wins. And they set cars on fire. They riot in the street. They threaten to blow up the White House. If you're Madonna, if you're Johnny Depp, you know, when was the last time somebody, an actor assassinated the president, John Wilkes Booth? You know, so many of these threats by these so-called peaceful liberals, right? I call them more like Neanderthals. How about uh, Kathy Griffin with the cutoff head? How about the um, theater in the park, in Central Park, where they were stabbing the president, President Trump, to death? All these different things, we, we can't forget about them. But it's the two standards of justice. It's the two standards. If, if the conservatives or Trump supporters did anything remotely like that, 
they w- there would be hell to pay. There would be accountability. People would be, you know, and it's because they have that megaphone, right? It's because they control the media. It's because they control social media. And the media lies. Today we're going to be covering a lot of different things, but we're going to be covering the 60 Minutes uh, expose on DeSantis and the rollout of the vaccines in Florida. That's blowing up in their face because they had a flat-out lie uh, to try to create a narrative that suggested that being open is not a good idea, that they somehow like the whole idea of controlling people and making you wear a mask, even though it's total BS. There's been one study after another that suggests that wearing a mask has very little impact. Um, if you if you were to, and I wish they would do even more studies, independent studies. But you know the um, we we did that one study. Uh, it was about ten days ago. We ran that, uh, and it was a video, and we're radio, so I mean it's kind of hard to. But we ran the audio too, and we described it. And basically, what was going on is they put a mask over a dummy. And they had this machine blowing smoke out. And the smoke, they said that the microns or the the size and dimension of a smoke molecule is four times larger than that of a COVID virus. And so so they uh, were blowing the smoke out and they're basically suggesting that whatever mask you're wearing isn't remotely going to keep that virus contained to your person. So even if you're symptomatic, if you're symptomatic, just don't go out. If you're asymptomatic, for 50 years, Dr. Fauci had said, for 50 years, the smartest guy in the room, supposedly, right? Can't throw a baseball and... I doubt that he's the smartest guy, but that's what they try to sell it, right? So you got this numbnuts, Dr. 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 Numbnuts Fauci, basically for 50 years says that if you're asymptomatic, it's very rare that you would ever, ever spread anything if you're asymptomatic. So right there, boom. That, that right there would have... Um, poo-pooed the entire lockdown that one statement because if you're symptomatic don't leave your house if you're symptomatic wear a mask and even that's not going to really do it that's not going to cut the mustard if you're symptomatic you ought to go to the hospital but if you're asymptomatic you can't spread it that's what they said for 50 years and they said masks don't work you end up touching your face, fidgeting. There's a lot of side effects to the car, you know, the CO2 and 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 all that bacteria trapped close to your lungs. So, no. They they recommended no. No, not a good idea. 50 years he's been saying that. This guy comes with 50 years of experience and all of a sudden does a flip 180. Because they figured late in the game 
Because I remember in mid-March of 2020 that de Blasio was like, go to the movies, have some fun. You know, Nancy Pelosi was in Chinatown. Oh, there's no fear here. We, we can't, we can't uh, crack down on China. China, come to Chinatown. Because China's our friend. And they sell out to China. Incidentally, Major League Baseball is trying to get some growth in China. You know that, right? So they're trying to expand into China, <laughs> which could explain exactly why it is that Georgia, which is like, uh, you know, they may as well change Atlanta to Beijing too, Beijing light. Um, GeorgiaBusiness.cn, look it up. GeorgiaBusiness.cn. CN's a Chinese extension. And so you got the Georgia business in bed with China. And a lot of these other southern states where property values are great and the, there's you get a lot of bang for your buck. Like uh, Terry uh, once called in about and said, Arkansas is being bought up by China. My dad was saying that uh, South Carolina and Myrtle Beach area getting bought up by China. And um, it's true. I mean, they're just, they're doing some stuff. They're, they're, they're investing in our infrastructure and they're going to pretty much own our country if we're not careful. But this whole thing about Georgia voter, I, God forbid you want to you want to have a, a election integrity. So there's a couple of really good tweets about that too. And uh, one is, this guy tweets out uh, about the uh, about the moving of the um, yeah uh, about baseball, Major League Baseball moving to Denver, right? So they go from Atlanta to Denver, and Alex Salvi says Atlanta, fifty-two percent black population; Denver, nine percent black population. Hmm. I wonder if they, whether if they, we can call them racist now. The Major League Baseball. Are they racist? Let's see. You got NBA. They hate white people and they hate America, it seems like, right? <laughs> and, um, I mean, I, I don't know how you can look at it any other way. You know, Black Lives Matter, if you go to blacklivesmatter.com, they donate to Act Blue. They're a fundraising organization for the Liberal Party. They're self-proclaimed leader. Their leaders self-proclaim that they are Marxists, and they basically threaten that if you don't do things their way, they will burn your house down. So, I look at them as a terrorist group, really, a domestic terrorist group. And they call themselves Black Lives Matter, but. You know how many I how many uh, brain cells and how much IQ do you have to understand to have to to figure that out? Like it sounds a little redundant to me. All lives matter, of course. It's easy, easy peasy. It's not even a difficult challenge there. You know the the lives matter. Babies' lives matter. Asian lives matter. Native American Indians' lives matter. And white people matter. Black people matter. 
right? It's it's easy. I knew this. I don't think I, you know, I, I knew it when I was 12, but I think I even knew it when I was eight. I think I knew it before I even went to school. I just think I've always sort of known it. It's only society that actually tries to tell you things are different than what they are and then puts a wedge between you and another group. Isn't that what this is all about, divide and conquer? It's about dividing us as a population. The easiest way to do that is to do that, you know, what Dinesh D'Souza was talking about, about Obama when he would go on the horse and he would say, give me your sandwich. And he would take your sandwich and give it to the other guy. But the other guy, you know, felt like he was entitled, wanted more than one sandwich. And basically, the person who ended up giving up the sandwich was coerced, so they didn't give it willingly. And uh, I played that clip. I got a lot of feedback on that clip. It's one of my favorite Dinesh D'Souza clips. And the idea is, is, is that the government, like Joe Biden, do you think he's ever paid written a paycheck in his life? Do you think he ever took money out of his pocket and gave it to... No, he, all he ever does is he takes money out of your pocket and gives it to somebody else. And then he pats himself on the back and says he's done some great things. All he's done is taken money from one group and given it to another group. And like Dinesh D'Souza said in that excerpt that I was talking about, if you borrow from Peter to pay Paul, you could always depend on Paul's support. If you borrow from Peter to pay Paul, you could always depend on Paul's support. And so it could very well be that Peter is a middle-class, blue-collar, middle-class, truck-driving patriot who would never vote for Biden, ever, right? So he drives his Ford truck to work, blue-collar, raising two kids, supporting his family, good son, good husband, God-fearing, Christian, goes to work, do you think that that, does that that doesn't sound like a Biden voter to me, does it? No, it's not. So naturally, Biden would then go after that group because he knows he can never win over that group. So he goes to the middle class and he takes money right out of their pocket. He knows they're not going to say yes to his policies that are going to raise their taxes. So he just goes and writes an executive order and takes their money and gives it to another group and calls them racist and and um, xenophobes at the same exact time that he's got his hands in your pocket and he's stealing the money right out of your pocket after he stole the election and he's going to give it to a group that he can rely on for votes. And that group doesn't even have a voter ID. In fact, that group isn't even a U.S. citizen. Think about that. <laughs> the hubris and all that. That group's not even an American citizen. Yet they get better rights. Like my dad reminded me not too long ago. 
and Joanne too, his wife, lovely wife. Basically, they said, do you know that these people crossing the southern border are getting more than $1,400? The stimulus check that we were all supposed to get or got or whatever. So we get the $1,400 crumb. And that pales in comparison to the amount of money that's being invested in these people who, as a matter of business, they start off by breaking our laws and spitting in our faces. And now they're sleeping in our military bases, the ones that you and I paid for. You paid for that base. And now it's being used to offer up free lodging to a non-citizen. No wonder they wanted to take that question about the census. Uh, Are you a U.S. citizen? We're doing a census. We want to know how many citizens are in the United States. No, we want to know how many people. Ah, that explains why you're changing the pronouns. That explains it. Oh, that's it. I got it. So if it's it's not a he or a she, because as soon as you go down that rabbit hole, you can you can pretty much it's not too far down the str- the road that you can actually ask whether the person's an American citizen or some other citizen. So that's a slippery slope. As soon as you start asking qualifying questions, so you don't ask any. We'll just call it an it. What do you feel like today? You're a they. You're not a he. You're not a she. And Nancy Pelosi, first order of business in the new Congress this year. You know, kind of put it out there that we are no longer going to use words uh, that refer to gender. Of course, they break the rule all the time because it's so nonsensical. And what is it about? It's about hurting somebody's feelings. And again, it seems to me like the only feelings that are, are of any concern to anybody are the feelings among the left. That... uh, you know, the feelings among the left. It says here, roughly 25% of all of the debt accumulated by the United States of America since 1776 was incurred in the last 12 months. This is not sustainable. So Dr. Gina wrote, writes, uh, uh, this one, she said, oh, yeah, this is uh, the CBS thing. She says, this is about pre-motive shots of viable Republicans, nothing more. Luckily, a conservative voter is an educated voter, so we don't fall for this kind of BS. CBS wanted three weeks digging, uh, wasted three weeks digging for nothing here. This will have no impact on our elections, of course. All right, so we got one more. Let's see. Oh, Charlie Kirk about ba- the baseball. We're going to get into that subject here in just as shortly. The Major League Baseball is moving the All-Star game to Denver, Colorado, after pulling it from Atlanta over their new voter ID laws. Colorado requires either a valid Colorado driver's license, U.S. passport, IRS-issued ID card, or certified birth certificate vote. So what's that about? And I just quoted the other one where it's like Atlanta's 52% black and Denver's 9% black. 
you know, if this was a Republican organization, they'd be hit up for racism. But you got to wonder what what is going on there, you know, because uh, teams were were getting into uh, Texas. They were complaining about Texas and they were complaining about Georgia and in these states where all they want to do is require an ID. And these corporations like AT&T and these big corporations are going against. Do you think that maybe it is that China, they're they're they're. Um, being controlled by another more powerful entity. I mean, why would they get involved? So Mitch McConnell came out in the last 24 hours and said, you know, um, warning to those corporations getting involved in meddling in politics and trying to be coercive like like they have been. Uh, it's not going to go well for you. So he's basically trying to suggest that, you know what, if you're, if you're not careful... We're going to make an example out of you. And that wouldn't be a bad idea. Because I think that they're, they're selling out America uh, for a new economy. I think China, you know, again, you do business with the devil. You deal with the devil, you get burned. I think that they're, you know, anytime you make a deal with China, it looks good on paper. And it may work for the first couple of years, but once they got you in, they got you hooked. They own you. They control you because they control the land you're on. They control the banks you're invested in. Ben Owen uh, has two photos. One is a family wearing masks with a child. And the other is John Kerry not wearing a mask and they're all on planes. Passengers in one of these two pictures was kicked off the plane, and it wasn't John Kerry. And it was because their child wouldn't wear the mask. And so they got thrown off the plane, but John Kerry can sit there like a a pompous idiot and get away with these types of things. So Katie Pavlich, uh, she writes this, Ah, the White House is now going for the if you don't support this infrastructure plan you don't like women or old people you know that's exactly what it is the democrats do right if you don't support what they do then you're a racist you're you're a, a xenophobe you're this or you're that so eric Methaney says in the grand scheme of things love of country means far more to me than overpaid grown men hitting a ball with a stick. And I want to play this clip. We're going to get into um, two topics. We're going to get into the Major League Baseball situation a little bit more. And we're going to also talk about Florida uh, and their reaction to the 60 Minutes thing. These are things that are trending on Twitter. Um, But the other one is uh, there's an article that I'm going to be covering Um, about Clarence Thomas and uh, what he might be doing to the big tech. And also Victor Davis Hanson and his new article that he came out with called The Ten Radical New Rules That Are Changing America. Those are the things we have to cover in our show. Um, But first we're going to start with this uh, 60 uh, 60 Minutes thing.
So let's take a listen to this Q&A and tell me this doesn't sound like fair and balanced reporting. This sounds like the kind of reporting, the kind of journalism that was going on during the Trump administration. Uh, And then you compare that in contrast with Joe Biden, uh, where they handle him with kid gloves. And you just know that if they didn't, they would be blacklisted, right? That's what happens. So I don't understand how they they can get away with, you know, how they could be so different, you know, on with with the two different people. They treat Republicans almost like they're they're animals, and they treat Joe Biden like like he's a, you know, a child. All right, but let's take a listen to this exchange. We wanted to ask Governor DeSantis about the deal, but he declined our request for an interview. We caught up with him south of Orlando. Publix, as you know, donated $100,000 to your campaign, and then you rewarded them with the exclusive rights to distribute the vaccination in So first of all, what you're saying is wrong. How is that not pay to play? That's a fake narrative. I met with the county mayor. I met with the administrator. I met with all the folks at Palm Beach County, and I said... Here's some of the options. We can do more drive-through sites. We can give more to hospitals. We can do the publics. And they said, we think that would be the easiest thing for our residents. But Melissa McKinley, the county commissioner in the Glades, told us the governor never met with her about the public's deal. The criticism is that it's pay to play, It's wrong. It's wrong. It's a fake narrative. I just disabused you of the narrative. And you don't care about the facts because obviously I laid it out for you in a way that is irrefutable. Well, I, I and so it's clearly not. Isn't there the nearest no, public? No, no, no. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. Yes, That's sir. That's actually a fact. All right. So it's very antagonistic, right? Um, but even the Democrat in uh, even the Democrat down there in Palm Beach, uh, Dem- Democrat mayor, uh, slammed 60 Minutes segment criticizing uh, Governor DeSantis. So a Democratic Florida, uh, Democratic Florida mayor claimed Monday that 60 Minutes segment intentionally falsified a report that criticized Republican DeSantis, you know, Governor DeSantis' vaccine rollout. The Sunday report suggested that DeSantis favored Publix grocery stores in Palm Beach County for COVID-19 vaccine distribution because the chain had donated to his pack. The segment came under fire when it was revealed a clip uh, when it was revealed a clip of the governor's response to a question about the grocery chain's exclusive rights was heavily edited according to Mediate. Palm Beach County Mayor Dave Kerner was one of several state officials to come to the governor's defense on Monday. The reporting was not just based on bad information. It was intentionally false, Mayor Kerner said. They know that the governor came to Palm Beach County and met with me and the county administrator, and we asked to expand the state's partnership with Publix to Palm Beach County. Um, we also discussed our own local plans to expand mass vaccinations centers throughout the county, which the governor has been incredibly supportive so you know we heard the same things from um you know from uh about trump and especially um when it comes to immigration when it comes to border security uh when it comes to a lot of these things uh, i think that uh, when it comes to sanctions with iran all of these things are now being 
suggested that they they be left in place. So, you know, DeSantis is calling on uh, the Biden team to to uh, continue with the Trump immigration strategy. And the administration uh, that's current right now, uh, Biden, um, they, they are actually continuing to keep the sanctions uh, against the terrorist group named Iran, the Iranian terrorism group. I mean, so basically what Trump did was pretty good. I, I was uh, having... Um, Easter, spending some Easter time with uh, some, some liberal, um, some some liberals, and uh, one of the things um, they were talking about is, oh, the vaccines are rolling out really nicely now. And I was like, who's who put the vaccines out? You know, but but they don't want to give Trump any credit for any of these things. They want to just try to tell you that everything is hunky dory and rosy. Never mind the fact that. You know, there's no transparency in this ad- administration. But, you know, that's the way it is right now. But the truth will eventually come out. The truth on the election fraud, the truth uh, on what Joe Biden is truly about. I, I don't see him being able to hide it. Uh, and I don't think he's done a great job in hiding it as as, as so far. So... CBS goes dark on DeSantis, avoids mentioning 60 Minutes report on morning, evening news programs. Program accused of selectively editing governor's remarks to imply pay for play. So a lot of people are suggesting 60 Minutes rest in peace, 60 Minutes is dead. Because, I mean, there was a time when I guess 60 Minutes, you know, would do some really good investigative journalism. But not anymore. Now it's just a a hack job. You know, it's an absolute hack job. It's pretty pathetic, really. So things are changing, you know. Things are absolutely changing. You just wonder where where the end game is. You know, because we have the two standards in the media. We have the outright political bias. I mean, it's just absolutely in your face with bias, right? You can't mistake it. Anybody on the left that suggests that there's no bias, which I know people that would actually try to make that argument, it's almost insanity that they would actually make that claim. Now, I want to talk about... um, All right, so we just got done talking about the 60-minute situation. That's the bias in the media. Um, and then also the bias in the media and the absolute wokeness in the Major League Baseball world is another one. And uh, I want to talk about that, too, because that, to me, is uh, yet again, you know, you wonder where, why they're not worried about their bottom line or their business. And it's because they're expanding Uh, And there's an article that just came out where Major League Baseball is expanding into China. They want a a bigger piece of that pie. And just like the NBA, they sold out. You know, LeBron James would bash Trump and bash America uh, before he would ever bash China. And they were talking about, you know, the kind of um, uh, 
inhumane treatment of the Uyghurs and the uh, also what was going on in Hong Kong. And now, you know, ever since uh, they rigged the election and Trump is no longer in charge, you're seeing all kinds of things happen. You're seeing escalation of conflict in Syria. You're seeing tanks going up and down the roads in Ukraine and in Russia and Crimea. You're seeing that whole war business go back to business. When people like Lindsey Graham are happy because they make money on the black market, uh, selling weapons, uh, getting a piece of the action, or getting don- big donations to their campaigns from these people because they green light these conflicts because they're neocons. But in addition to that, you got North Korea spitting in the eye of Joe Biden because they have no fear of Joe Biden. Joe Biden's an idiot. And China's not too worried about what America's going to do because they already know that they already have China, they already have Joe Biden and his son Hunter by the by the short hairs. I mean, they basically got control of that family. The Biden family is one of the most corrupt families in American political history. And so why wouldn't you want to have a guy like that in the Oval Office? Why wouldn't you? If you're Vladimir Putin and you're, uh, you know, Xi Jinping and you're Kim Jong-un and you have a dossier a mile long on Hunter and all of his sexual escapades and crack problems, and then Joe, who is basically uh, a guy that has made all kinds of illegal shady deals, kickbacks, and what have you. Son of a gun. You know, we'll fire the guy that's investigating my son. My son is the front man, uh, basically maybe the bag man, but he is the um, guy that's using my name. All I got to do is... Keep on being vice president or president. And then my name could be sold. My brother can sell it. My son can sell it. My daughter can sell it. And they can lie through their teeth. I think Hunter was writing a book so he was in the news. Why in the world would he do this? Because he's stupid, that's why. But the idea is that they didn't ask him any tough questions. Like, I would have hold up, held up a photo and said, is this you naked? What were you doing there? Is this you in this photograph naked in front of a, a with a with a with a minor child in the room? Or is this a doctored photo? You tell me. Is this you? He was answering questions, Hunter Biden. They were like, I don't know whether that was my laptop or not. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, the journalist that's asking those questions has got to be the dumbest journalist on the planet. What in the world are they thinking? Surely you know whether they're your photos. Were they your photos? I don't know. <laughs> How could you just say, I don't know? I don't know if that's me. I don't know if I ever took that photo. I don't know what I was doing. That's just all they, they did. So you don't know whether that was your laptop or not. That's not even the question. Was that data on one of your laptops ever? I don't know. And that's good enough for 
George Stephanopoulos and people like that that ask these stupid questions and you're left with nothing but more questions after the, you know, why even bother conducting the interview to help a guy that actually sleeps with minors sell a book and that somehow makes you complete? That is insane, really, when you think about the lack of integrity and the lack of ethics associated with that kind of shoddy so-called journalism. All right, so Justice Thomas. Justice Thomas says this. Supreme Court Justice Thomas suggests Facebook, Twitter could be regulated like utilities. And the Federalist writes in on this and says... Read Clarence Thomas's roadmap to reigning in social media giants. And what he says that's really valuable. He says, unprecedented, however, is the concentrated control of so much speech in the hands of a few private parties. So the following is a Supreme Court Clarence, uh, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas's concurring opinion in President Joe Biden versus Knight versus uh, Knight First Amendment Institute at Columbia University. In a ruling for uh, writ of certiorari, Thomas concurred in an opinion to send the case back to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Second Court, Second Circuit with instructions to dismiss as moot now that Biden is president. The case, launched in August, inquires whether the First Amendment strips government officials of their ability to block third-party accounts uh, on Twitter if the personal account is used to conduct official business. The lower court ruled that Donald Trump violated the First Amendment when he blocked users on the platform, which served as a public forum. So, basically, they uh, he put out a pretty long piece. It'd take too long to read. Um, but the uh, excerpt that I like the most is that he's using this as a way to suggest that um, you know, yeah, they are a private industry. Uh, they are private and they are protected by Section 230. But what's unprecedented here is how uh, how concentrated, uh, the, you know, is the con- concentrated control of so much speech in the hands of so few of of a few private parties. So you got Google, Facebook, and Twitter pretty much dominating what's being said. I mean, to the point where you can't even say if their fact checkers decide and determine that climate change is real and that the world's going to come to an end in seven years, like Al Gore used to say, right? And then, you know, seven years has come and gone 10 times over, you know, three times over. And we know that Al Gore was just sick out to lunch, right? Sick in the head, out to lunch. But somehow back then, you know, if we had Facebook, Twitter, and Google, if we rejected Al Gore's science and we came up with our own, we would be blacklisted and banned. 
So you're you're either going to shut your mouth and not say anything, or if you say something, we're going to actually cut off your mic. That's what the big tech is doing. So, you know, like the other day, um, and I had just gotten out of 30 days of Facebook jail. And then I was on the Facebook for, you know, whatever. I thought, oh, they're going to go light. It's after the election. You can't possibly make a difference now. Okay. But no, because now it's another issue that's a hot topic. And they somehow feel like they know best what it is. You can't even challenge. If you come up with new evidence and you come up with a new study that runs counter to whatever it is that they believe, you cannot, re- you cannot post it on your Facebook page. And what's even more sad about it when you think about it is the people that are following you on these social media platforms are following you because they like what you have to say or they're following you for a reason. They're either friends, they're family, or they're fans. Either way, friends, family, fans, the three Fs. But, you know, the idea is, is that, um, so what, what's the harm in that? I, I don't quite get their philosophy there. And it also runs counter to everything that they said under oath with respect to, um, you know, the kind of level of censorship that they said that they would do. So if you listen to Mark Zuckerberg or whoever, they would get on and they would say all these things that you couldn't possibly uh, have a problem with. But then their actions would be completely at odds with that. And that's the, that's the sad part. So Thomas considered a conservative on the high court, considered a conservative on the high court, made the point during a 12-page submission as the Supreme Court issued an order that rejected a lawsuit over Trump blocking of certain Twitter users from commenting on his posts before his account was taken down. Today, digital platforms provide, and this is Clarence Thomas, uh, Avenues for historically unprecedented amounts of speech, including speech by government actors. Also unprecedented, however, is control of so much speech in the hands of few private par- so few private parties. We will soon have no choice but to address how our legal doctrines apply to highly concentrated, privately owned information infrastructure, such as digital platforms. So Thomas also noted there are arguments suggesting digital platforms such as Twitter or Facebook are sufficiently akin to common carriers or places of accommodation to be regulated in this manner. So Thomas made reference to the respective owners of Facebook and Google, and that would be Mark Zuckerberg, Larry Page, and Sergey Brin. Although both companies are public, one person controls Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, and just two control Google, Larry Page and Sergey Brin. Thomas agreed that Trump's Twitter account did resemble a constitutionally protected public forum. It 
in certain aspects. He noted that it seems rather odd to say that something is a government forum when a private company has unrestricted authority to do away with it, possibly referring to Twitter's ban against Trump following the January 6th incident. So that's a great point, too. So the other part is how how in the world, um, you know, how many how in the world does it, you have any any ownership or control over your own uh you own, something that you built and how can you say it's connected with the government uh when in fact it can be taken away by a private industry there's so many questions about this stuff it's going to be interesting to see how we go forward so we're limited with time I want to get to the final subject today, and that is the 10 Radical New Rules That Are Changing America, written by Victor Davis Hanson. And I really like this piece. Um, he say, many, American privately reject, many Americans privately reject the new diktats of wokeism, but publicly not so much. And I think that the publicly is related to uh, foreign investors. I think China is a big influencer. There are 10 new ideas that are changing America, maybe permanently. So um, one is money is a construct. It can be created from thin air. Annual deficits and aggregate national debt no longer matter much. Prior presidents ran up huge annual deficits, but at least... They were, there were some concessions that the money was real and had to be paid back. Not now. As we near $30 trillion in national debt and 110% of annual GDP, our elites either believe that permanent zero... I'm going to change the audio. I think we're going to get some kickback in this. All right. So um, believe that permanent zero rates make the cascading obligation irrelevant or that the larger the debt, the more likely we will be forced to address needed income redistribution. And laws, number two. Laws are number two of the ten. Laws are not necessarily blinding anymore. Joe Biden took an oath to take care of that, that the laws be faithfully executed, but he has willfully rendered federal immigration laws null and void. Some rioters are prosecuting for prosecuted for violating federal laws, others not so much. Arrests, prosecutions, and trials are all fluid. Crime rates do not necessarily matter. If someone is carjacked, assaulted, or shot, it can be understood to be as much the victim's fault as the perpetrator's. Number three, racialism is now acceptable. So racialism, that's like a new word that I haven't heard before, but I see where he's going with that. We are defined first by our ethnicity and religion and only secondarily, if at all, by an American commonality. The explicit exclusion of whites from college dorms, safe spaces, and federal aid programs is now non-controversial. It is unspoken payback for perceived past sins, or it's a type of good racism. Falsely being called a racist makes one more guilty than falsely called calling someone else a racist. Number four of ten. The immigrant is mostly preferred, 
the immigrant is mostly preferable to the citizen. The newcomer, unlike the host, is not stained by the sins of America's founding and hit founding in history. Most citizens currently must follow quarantine rules and social distancing, stay out of school, and obey the laws. Yet those entering the United States, they don't have to. They're not subjected to any of that. Number five, most Americans should be treated as we would treat little children. They cannot be asked to provide an ID to vote. Noble lies by our elites about COVID-19. Rules are necessary to protect Neanderthals from themselves. Number six, hypocrisy is passé. Virtually, virtual singling is alive. Climate change activists fly on private jets. So there we go. Number seven, ignoring our perpetrate, per, perpetuating. Number seven, ignoring our perpetuating homelessness is preferable to ending it. It is more humane to let thousands of homeless people live, eat, defecate, and use drugs on public streets and sidewalks than it is to greenlight affordable housing mandate hospitalization by the mentally ill and create sufficient public shelter areas. Number eight, McCarthyism is good. Destroying the lives and careers for incorrect thoughts saves more lives and careers. Cancel culture and the Twitter reign of terror provide needed deterrence. Now the Americans know they are one wrong word, act, or look away from losing their livelihoods. It's true. Number nine, ignorance is preferable to knowledge. And number 10, wokeness is the new religion, growing faster and larger than Christianity. Its priesthood outnumbers the clergy and exercises far more power. Silicon Valley is the new Vatican, and Amazon, Apple, Facebook, Google, and Twitter are the new gospels. <laughs> That's the kind of thing that we're dealing with, folks. It's epic. This The, the struggle is real, and the fight we have... Uh, is is super important. So be sure to check out what we're fighting every day against this, not only with this vehicle of a show, but through the scottadamshow.com. Check that out for our podcasts. But also what we're doing with buglecall.org and also magapack.org. And if you go to uh, redstatetalkradio.com, you can also see our YouTube page, I leave it on in the background now. I think it looks so great, the new YouTube page. It's almost like a, having a lava lamp in your, in, in your living room. I, I leave it on mute. You know, I don't even need to hear it. I just like the way it visually has an impact on the room. So check out our YouTube page. Check out our websites. And uh, you've been listening to The Scott Adams Show. And we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye now. Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper. I grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper. Just to bury my kids right up to there.